It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host coming to you on a Monday, August 8th, LA Galaxy 4-2 losers over the weekend to Sporting Kansas City. Listless, uninspiring, disappointing, embarrassing, I don't know. Some of this is rinse and repeat from the uh, from the recent years. Uh, somebody said that we shouldn't even do a show because we could just replay some of the other ones. Maybe that's the correct answer. We got rumors about Julian Araujo we're going to talk about. Get you updated on sort of the playoff picture, where that stands. Uh, we got Ricky Pouge in city now. We don't know whether or not that means he has a visa, but we're going to talk about his arrival. All that fun stuff. Uh, Orange County SC and the stadium debacle with the LA Galaxy got into. That's obviously a topic of uh, of discussion as well and to help me do all of that he's back and uh in the saddle once again please welcome back to the show mr kevin baxter how you doing buddy hey i learned something this weekend yeah what's that air france apparently does not have two-day na as part of its on in-flight offerings because if they had and ricky push had watched that game i think he would have bailed out somewhere over nova scotia yeah i was i was concerned i was tracking his his flight so um i believe and i was never able to get 100% confirmation but it's the only one that really made sense i believe that uh ricky flew from barcelona to paris and then paris directly through to la um and came in on air france 777 just in case anybody was was wondering 777228 extended range just in case again anybody was interested in that um and then showed up around i guess 9:30ish 9:45 10 o'clock um at uh, LAX uh, was greeted by some fans as well there Kevin i mean you know that's i that's not a horrible thing in terms of no but he was he was i mean look at him there he says about as effective as the Galaxy back line was in stopping SKC. Right <laughs> he he had just as much influence, that's for sure. Uh, Absolutely. From, from where he was. Uh, interesting, because this picture was uh, thrown all out over uh, over LA Galaxy social media, and then there was another angle of it, uh, and I believe they got the uh, the Chris Klein out sign that they ended up getting rid of. Uh, in, in And maybe not in this picture, but it was certainly close to this uh, whenever you saw it. So I thought that was, uh, that was an interesting uh, little take on that. Certainly uh, fun to sort of see the arrival, Kevin, that comes in with that. And there's optimism that, you know, that Ricky's going to be able to help and that there's, you know, all these things that could happen. Um, and then that on the heels of a 4-2 uh, butt whooping uh, by Sporting Kansas City. Another game, by the way, and I think it's the fifth game this season where the LA Galaxy have given up three goals in the first half. 
Um, they're one ten and one whenever they allow the first goal. Uh, they're winless whenever they're losing at halftime. They have not uh, won a single game from, or even uh, I think gotten a draw from a position of losing at halftime. Uh, well, and they they were losing three nothing at halftime this time, and eight of the last ten goals the Galaxy have given up. I think over the last four games, maybe five games, eight of the last ten goals in the first half. And Jonathan Bond, who, by the way, he was my man of the match, believe it or not. Chicharito scored two goals. Jonathan Bond gives up four, but he's still my man of the match because I thought he played spectacular. He just got no help. Did you ever play tackle football? You, you know what a, a uh, lookout block is? A look at, no, I didn't. I, I saw him on my brain is, cells. Yeah, a lookout block is when um, the offensive lineman gets beat so badly by the defensive player that all he can do is turn around to the quarterback and yell, look, look out. out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think the galaxy back line was playing. You know, they would turn around to Jonathan Bond and yell, look out. Yeah. He was, he was under fire there, by the way, made some unbelievable saves in that game. Yeah, but, but what he said is what, getting back to what he said about the first half goals. Is he said, we're a young, emotional team. Correct. And when we give up that first goal, we, we don't know what, how to come back. And, and, and your record, what you said, what one, Eight and one. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, but, but one ten and one. Whenever they give up the first one goal. ten and one, when they give up the first goal, and exactly what Jonathan Mott was talking about. We we don't have the character, the moxie, the experience, whatever, to come back. Yeah. When we give up the first goal. Yeah, and we've talked about the emotionality. I think of this team. It's it's a it's a it's a point that Greg Vanny makes. Certainly, if you talk to him, sort of, and get him on on a, a longer, not necessarily in a press conference, but on a side talk. If you talk to him about emotional players and sort of how those things go. Quite honestly, they got rid of one of the emotional blocks that they had, which was um, Ryan Revelison, who was like a, a, a emotional, right? As in not emotional. The dude was just pretty much always the same. It didn't matter. And I think that did a lot. Listen, the Galaxy are going to suffer here in the short term without Revelison. And I'm not saying Revelison was anything... Um, overly special. I think the Galaxy made a good bit of business by trading him and they got, you know, up to $2 million and really it opens up spots and it's, you're able to bring in somebody like uh, Ricky Pouge, who is uh, quite honestly an unknown for me. Um, and I think that that's, that's an interesting bit of move. But in this game in particular, you see what happens when they don't have somebody like Revelison who's providing what he had been in the last three or four games, which was some more advanced depth and, and some playmaking as well. Late runs, that type of thing. Uh, the Galaxy had some chances in this game. Uh, not very many. Uh, and the chance creation certainly is, is falling through the roof. But in this particular lineup, Kevin, uh, I thought it was really interesting to sort of see what Greg Vanny was trying to do. Started in a 4-4-2, uh, was adamant. Uh, in the post game, however, that that was going to morph and supposed to change into a three five two whenever they would attack, and so basically Gasper would get up on the side on the left hand side, and Kelvin Leardam would sort of. We talked about Leardam playing in a three center back whenever he first joined with the LA Galaxy, if I remember correctly, Kevin. We were talking about him saying, "Oh, well, he's also a guy who can play like a right center back." So um, starting the four four two with Gasper sort of overlapping up into uh, into the space that that Costa was going to create in a pocket from the left-hand side. Now, we know Douglas Costa has a, a better left foot, right, Kevin? We've seen him launch left-footed shots um, by cutting in from the right and shooting from that left-footed side. So putting him on the left side should have limited his um, his his uh, his creep into the center of the field. I think they were trying to play him into that, like the, the hole that Victor Vasquez always plays in, which is like left-center 
um, just up underneath the forwards, right? So it's on the left-hand side and it's just under the forwards, which by the way, uh, if you look at some heat maps and I saw a scouting report on, on Ricky Pouche is exactly where he'll play. He's going to peel off out of the center of the field and he's going to sort of occupy this left center underneath the forwards uh, where he will distribute and work from. That's usually, that's his his hot spot right there. It's where Victor Vasquez plays. Um, it's where Douglas Costa was trying to occupy, occupy space in this one. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see what happened though with Douglas Costa not having a left-footed shot or, or not having a, a left-footed shot that right. he could, yeah, not, and and not yeah. being able to basically hit a right, right foot, yeah, as much as as his left. You saw that him cutting inside and trying to distribute, he was unsure of how to sort of do that. And again, this is Douglas Costa. This guy should. This guy's one of the best players in the world at one point. There's no reason he shouldn't understand how to play this position. But he would carry so far forward, Kevin, across the field that he would drag other people out of position or push people into uh, out of position or fall into other places where he shouldn't be. And then he would give up the ball, which we saw many times. Greg Vanny mentioned it a bunch of times. He'd give up the ball in the center of the field, and then there would be a counterattack coming down. And when he would cut inside, that invites Chase Gasper to get further up the field because there's space there to be occupied. And then he gives up the ball, and then Gasper would have to sprint back Gasper at fault for the third goal for sure um, but uh, the other ones I know people were were unhappy with him he was getting dealt balls on the left hand side for me into traffic he already had people on him and Douglas Costa was either cutting inside and abandoning him on a defensive mark to try to get back or he would try to he would dish the ball out to chase Gasper and there's like two guys out there Graham Zussi was out there covering Gasper the whole night um, didn't have much and they weren't trying to play Gasper in behind so if you're trying to play a three five two there one maybe you don't put Chase Gasper in there maybe Raheem Edwards is the better choice for that but I think Manny was hoping that on defense there would be a more stout four four two um, whenever that he would come back and be able to come back the problem was the Galaxy gave up so many balls in the midfield Delgado did it Brugman did it Costa was the main problem um, that they got countered on and we've seen this. It's 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 a staple of how how you beat the LA Galaxy is to cause a turnover in the center of the field and then beat them back to that to that back line. Um, and and that's what we saw. I mean, the the distance between Sega Koulibaly and Derek Williams, Kevin, on the first goal, like you could have had the Golden Gate Bridge between those two. Um, and it was so easy to sort of float back. And you had Delgado who didn't push out and try to sort of. And I don't need him to go in there acting like he's going to get the ball. But I want it to be uncomfortable for Espinoza in that spot. And Espinoza is playing in that same sort of pocket on the right hand side that Costa should have been playing on the left hand side for the LA Galaxy. Technically same side of the field whenever you like switch those up. But Costa should have been that provider and that player. He should have done basically what you're looking at Roger Espinosa to do. There was none of and that. And Sega had his head down on that goal, too. Yeah, I think Sega got caught further up, and then Leardam was trying to come in from the backside. Greg mentioned the inability to track runners, and we've talked about that at length. Um, and I think Brugman's supposed to help with that, right? Clogging the middle and trying to trying to get back and, and tracking. Um, but they, they it, was, it was totally disjointed. There was no creativity whatsoever. Um, there was no... I, there was no goal dangerous. I mean, outside of Chicharito scoring that goal that he scored, which everybody thought was offside, um, outside of him scoring that goal that he scored, I, I just, I don't see where it was going to be created. And again, I think this is a temporary knock until you can get, um, you know, some more creativity, hopefully with, with Ricky Pooch. But I, I don't have a lot of confidence in saying that, that Pooch is suddenly going to open up the offense. I don't, I don't see that. Well, you know, what's kind of frustrating for me is when you hear Vanny postgame, and I don't know, is it better that he knows what the problem is and apparently can't fix it, or would it be better if he didn't know what the problem is? If he didn't know what the problem is, that's a bad thing because it's like 
I'm clueless. I don't know what's going on. He knows what the problem is because he talks about it at, in every post-game press conference. Um, we got to get on the same page. We're not playing together as a team. Um, you know, we're not tracking the runners. Well, okay, it's you're you know 23 games into your second year. Yeah. Fig- so solve this problem. No, I. And he did. No. He he did have a very long. I'm going to say it's a post game screed. I really don't know. He was. What we do know is he took an inordinate amount of time to get to the post game press conference. I, I will say. I, I, I think I, he lit some people up. I think so. Um, somebody mentioned that they thought Vanny looked a little more red than normal whenever he came into the thing, and I'm like, uh, it's probably just bad lighting because those things are like temporary lighting setups. It's kind of like you, Kevin. I mean, you look like you know Casper the Friendly Ghost over there. It's probably just a bad lighting setup. Um, Want me to change the lights? No, don't touch anything, please. Oh, okay. If you touch things, the podcast will end because you'll accidentally hang up and things will go sideways. Um, somebody said that. I will say that they were having some Zoom issues because I got kicked off once and then they came back on and we're like, okay, cool. And then we were ready. But I, I mean, I was tweeting it out. I'm like, waiting, still waiting. Like, I know how long it usually takes to get coaches, especially on the road. Usually they want to get in there and get to the post game and get out of there as fast as they can. Whether the win, lose, draw, it doesn't matter. They want to get in and get out because the bus is waiting. They want to hop on the plane. But you actually, I, I keyed you in on something. You actually found out that the Galaxy didn't leave until the next day, right? Yeah, the, and you and I were talking about this before we started the pod. It's a good thing or a bad thing. The benefit of the charters, which all MLS teams now are flying, and I think they will fly into the future because you can't put that genie back in the bottle. They started flying charters because of covid now they're flying charters all the time. The big benefit of a charter, other than the extra comfort and room and all that, is you can take off and land whenever you want. So uh, if you were flying commercial, you would have to rush rush to the airport and make your commercial flight time. With a charter, it can take off whenever you're ready to go. Um, they decided not to do that. The Galaxy decided to stay overnight in Kansas City. Didn't make a lot of sense to me because you fly. the game started at 5.30 local time here. They could have been back in the middle, you know, 3, 4 in the morning, Everybody would have slept in their bed, been with their family, had their the recovery day to be home. The Galaxy decided to actually stay in Kansas City and fly out Sunday morning. Um, and I was told that was planned ahead of time. It wasn't weather. It wasn't. I think probably someone likes likes barbecue and wanted to stay one more night. They were going to go. They, they were all going to do a team building exercise where they went to an escape room later. I think that's what it was. Right. Can you imagine well, 30, 30 MLS players trying to get out of an escape room? That's what I want to see. Well, Ghost hunting is really big in Kansas City. Maybe we're looking for the ghost of Robbie Keane somewhere. But so they didn't. <laughs> he's get to the next he's day. not dead, Kevin. He's he's alive. I don't think you can find a ghost of Robbie Keane yet. The spirit of Robbie okay. Keane. Okay. We returned to the team though. It, so it, is it good or bad? I, I was thinking. You know what? That was such a horrible game. Might have been the worst game of the season. Everyone going back to the hotel in their rooms alone, thinking about it. Could be good or could be bad. It could be bad because they're just just sulking and just thinking about it and getting depressed. It could be good in that they're forced to face it. Um, there's no escape. There's no going home to the wife or kids or dog and forgetting about it. They they had to spend the night thinking about that. That's game. okay, but forgetting about it like doesn't hasn't really worked for them either, right? I mean, you know, no. oh, we got to forget about this one and move on to the next one. By the way, yeah, they keep saying that all the time. By the way, I would like to point out that the galaxy totally ruined my my favorite chart, which is the the points by month. You know, the games by month one, and I said that they were undefeated at the beginning of every month. Technically, they ruined it because I only track league games and they didn't beat Sporting Kansas City because they've won or drawn every single game at the first game of the month, first league game of the month, every single uh, uh, game. But they did well, beat the Chivas. Chivas. Yeah, the Chivas game. Yeah, I, I was going to say. So maybe maybe they got that. The other, you know, so my questioning afterwards and Greg took three questions from Nikki from Spectrum and then three questions from me and then they wanted to move on. 
Um, and there weren't a bunch of people on. Um, some other people, Sophie was on there with her hand raised, and I think um, uh, Alex Ruiz might have been on there as well, but they didn't take a whole bunch. My whole purpose was trying to find out why Greg Vanny started Dam and Gasper, right? And that was that was the big question in the um, in the pregame, which was why would you start Dam and Gasper, especially whenever you have Edwards and Araujo on there? So I asked him sort of what that was, and that's how we sort of explained what he was trying to do with Leardam staying back and Gasper getting forward. The other part of that is that he said that he thought Julian, and I think this applies to, to Edwards as well, uh, Greg said that he thought Julian was tired um, and that had been tired the last couple of games, and he was trying his best to give him a little bit of breather, and he was probably planning on bringing him in the second half anyway. Um, it's just that the Galaxy are losing 3 nothing at the, at, by the time the, uh, the second half started. Uh, I thought Julian actually, and he had got a really low rating and he probably got a really low rating because he had a back pass in the 95th minute that ended up in sporting Kansas city's fourth goal. Um, but he created the handball that, uh, that Chicharitos uh, converted on the penalty kick. Uh, he created some other chances going forward. I thought he was good. I thought Efrain Alvarez was outstanding whenever he came in. Um, I thought he settled that so now much. That, there's a, there's a statement you rarely yeah. hear. No, I thought he was very good. I mean, he sat in spaces, he found spaces, he dished and he delivered. I'm not going to say he got it right all the time, but whenever you're, t- <laughs> this is going to, this is going to sound crazy right now. If you're going to give me the option of starting and you have to start a creative player, I don't think Ricky Bush is, is ready to go. So you're not going to start him. If you have to start a creative player for me, Efrain Alvarez probably gets a start over Douglas Costa. Um, just because I can't, I can't handle Costa's running around like he doesn't understand where he's supposed to go. And I think that so often in his career, he was given the free roll. Greg Vanny. I mean, I thought I was going to get yelled at. All right. I was ready to get yelled at by Greg Vanny for asking stupid questions about tactics and a whole bunch of stuff. And Greg was calm and explained everything, which uh, I give him a lot more credit because I think I would have been throwing chairs. Um, and maybe he did throw chairs and he needed 10 minutes to cool down, which is why it took him so long to get in there. But, um, you know, he he went and, and he said, I asked about Douglas Costa's positioning like specifically, because for me, that's where everything broke apart whenever I watched it. And he was like, I said, oh, so did you give him a free roll? No, I absolutely did not give him a free roll. He does not have a free roll. Right. And it's like he was talking about people running and playing out of position. But for Julian Rahu, he talks about being tired. And here's the thing that I will say that that Kevin, you and I can't make the decision. Nobody in our chat room, nobody in our discord, nobody on Twitter can make the decision. The only person who knows the best about the players is going to be Greg Vanny and the scientific tracking stuff that he has. Um, and they know about recovery and how much body's recovery and they track all that and they're given list of like reports and then they can talk to the player as well. And so for Greg Vanny, the decision was that Julian Araujo was going to sit for probably the first half and come into the second half. That's what it seemed like this was going to be. And then Raheem Edwards is sort of going to be the same. We knew that once Gasper got healthy, that Greg was going to start giving Raheem Edwards some more rests because <laughs> Edwards has played Kevin more minutes than he's ever played in his entire career. So <clears throat> we look at that, and those are decisions that uh, basically that, that Vanny makes. And I don't know that those should have been the, 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 the wrong decisions. I will say this, that if you look at this uh, average uh, passing chart and all those fun things that we have, Kevin, um, we can look at Kevin Cabral being out on a freaking island on the right-hand side. Uh, Delgado and Brugman couldn't find Cabral to save his life, and I don't think Cabral was finding much room for himself either. So if you want to talk about another ineffective designated player that the Galaxy had that night, absolutely look at Kevin Cabral. Um, because uh, in terms of the the passing chart and where he was, I mean, I thought Chicharito and Jovalich were fairly uh, MIA for most of that game. 
and and Kevin Cabral sort of looks out there on that right hand side like he was playing in a different game all by himself. Um, and it didn't seem like anybody can link. And maybe that has something to do with Leardam not getting forward and not linking and overlapping and, and creating some space in that room. But, uh, you know, we're far past the, the, the number one question that like is whenever you go to training and you sort of get Greg and you can you can ask him this. and He's in a good, in a good, good, uh, good, good state of mind. You can be like, so how much longer do you wait on Kevin Cabral? Because you're getting zero out of him. You may get work rate, which I don't think you can get from other play people on the bench all the time. Maybe you can get it from Grand Sear because I think Grand Sear and Cabral are the same. We've talked about that many times. But when you look at this and look at how isolated Cabral was, that's some, I mean, so designated players, two-thirds of designated players, absolutely useless. Chicharito, by the way, bags a brace in this, and he hasn't scored in a long time. Since July 4th was the last time he scored, and so you get two goals out of him, Kevin. That's one of the positives. Jonathan Bond was a positive from this game. Chicharito was a positive from this game. Well, you talked about, Vanny said Araujo was tired. Okay. So Araujo's tired. So why did he play him 45 minutes against Chivas, a game that doesn't count? And why? And now he's going to the All-Star game. So he's tired. He can't play uh, more than a, a, you know a half the game in the game that counts in Kansas City. But on either side of it, he's playing in a meaningless exhibition game, one of which requires a flight. Well, I, to I, and from. I will. I will. In in his defense, I'll say this. Maybe after that game, Julian Araujo goes. You know what? I'm tired. And he's like, yeah, I get it. I can give you a little bit of rest because I know you're also going to the all-star game after this. Yes, they're meaningless. It doesn't mean that you don't have to manage the player. Remember whenever I was talking to Greg, uh, you weren't there, but I think the video, you may have watched the video, but I said, hey, Greg, you know, you have 12 games left. And he's like, no, we have 13 games left. I'm like, no, you have 12 games left. There's 34 games. And I did the math and the whole deal. He goes, which one am I missing? And I go, are you counting the Chivas game? He's like, yeah. He goes, I am. I go, oh, that one doesn't count. I don't count that one, right? The whole deal. And he's like, well, I have to count that one. Greg Vanny has to count the All-Star game for Chicharito and Julian Araujo. Greg Vanny has to count the Chivas game um, for 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 you know Chicharito and for Julian Araujo. I get it. I understand what you're saying, but he has to take all of those into consideration. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter that those games don't count. He has to account for those within the players' workload because those players are going to play those games. It's a simple for us when we say that game doesn't count. Um, but it was funny when Greg said, I have to count that one or, or you know, was it was uh, intimating that he has to. Right. I was like, oh, well, yeah, you do, because you still have workload. You still have people you have to worry about. You have recovery. You have training. You have everything that you need. In the yes, you could have started G2. But do, would you imagine MLS would have allowed you to call up all the G2 players? Don't you think there was plenty of of pressure put on all those teams to play their guys for those games? Yeah, but it's it's ridiculous. I mean, look at Club America. They're at the bottom of the Liga MX standings because they've flown 10,000 miles to play five games that don't count for anybody. You know, these games are playing in, in the, in the, against the European, uh, traveling European teams. Chivas played one of those as well. Um, you know, the, the fixture uh, calendar is just too full for a lot of these teams. And, and teams from, you know, Mexico City is pretty far down there. It takes a long, uh, it's a long flight from there to Las Vegas. And they had to make that. And then they had to go to Dallas. And they had to go to Tijuana for a league game. Then they had to come up here and play this League's Cup thing. The Galaxy are not anywhere close to that. But just the idea that, that we're going to we're gonna take all these extra games and jam them into this calendar. And then we can't perform in the league games because our players are tired. Yeah, I know. It's it. I mean, you know, it's one of the things that you look at all over European countries as well. Now, they don't play any games that don't count. 
right? I mean, that's one of the things that you see. But how many games are they playing with all the club competitions and all the stuff? It's the reason they went back to five subs. It's the reason that I think that five subs are here to stay and sort of even whenever the Premier League was like, nah, we're going to go back to three. Everybody else was like, we're sticking with five. Uh, that makes a lot more sense just in terms of all those things. So um, again, for me, I, I will say this, um, and nothing in the Galaxy's play reflects this, Kevin. So I, I think this is overly optimistic. But the Galaxy were losing one to nothing in that game when Jonathan Bond makes an unbelievable triple save. Um, and he keeps it off the goal line and he does all the things and they don't count it as a goal during the run of play and all these things that are uh, amazing. I mean, the effort that he made in order to keep three close range shots out of the goal was outstanding. It was funny. But, but yeah. di di didn't you ask yourself, because I did, why are they getting three bites of the apple? Mm -hmm. Are there no defenders? Did those guys run off to get a drink or I mean, something? I mean, it was, it was bouncing around in there and there's defenders trying to get to the ball and the ball bounces back to guys. It, listen, it happens. I've seen it happen. I'm, I watched it in the Premier League this, this week that where people get multiple shots from inside the box. It happens. Yes, of course. Always you're looking at defenders. You're looking at those things. And that was another defensive breakdown. I don't think the defense played well at all. So again, I agree. Jonathan Bond makes all these stops though, right? And he gets it and he gets the ball and they get it out. Then it goes back and VAR wants to take a look he at it. He also stopped the PK. He did. We talked that, about that. We talked about that. That yeah. was Johnny Russell, and that was in the 28th minute, I think, or 20, 24th. Johnny Russell, Johnny Russell has a really high conversion rate on PKs, by the way. Yeah, and Jonathan Bond was great on it. The, guess the right rate. It was hit hard. Jonathan Bond handled it, no problems. That was the 24th minute. So 40th minute, Bond makes a triple save. Now, there's questions about whether or not Espinosa is offside from the very beginning. And from the very beginning of that play, I looked at it and said, well, Espinosa is going to be offside. So they have two things to review here. You have whether or not the ball crossed the line and whether or not Espinosa was offside. Now, the ball, there's a goal play. So the, the reason that you're going to be able to review the ball and the line is that the ball was close to going over. And so it's a question of a goal, which allows VAR to look at it. Then you get to go back. And you can say, okay, well, was Espinosa offside? So we are extremely lucky um, that Daniel Sperry uh, the, from the KC Star, he was the pool reporter in Kansas City. I reached out to the LA Galaxy PR and I said, hey, if you can get me in touch with the, with the Kansas City pool reporter, I go, I'll work on this and we'll get something out. So they were nice enough to do that. They connected us and Sporting Kansas City PR helped out with that too. Really excellent job by everybody. Um, a lot of moving parts in order to connect me here in, in Orange County with with a guy in Kansas City for questions that we're going to ask. So we were able to ask questions about this. And so uh, here are the responses that we got. Basically, we asked, you know, uh, about all of them. Basically, they said that their responses were the review was under the goal pro protocol as the ball had entered the net. But the on field decision was no goal. So basically, because the on-field decision was no goal, we all know that there had to be clear and obvious error that the ball went across the line. 100%. It has to be clear and obvious. This is not about guessing. You have to know absolutely that ball went over. And number two was the VAR had determined that a clear and obvious error was made in the non-awarding of a goal. A review was recommended and the referee made the final decision to award the goal. Uh, prior to the review for the non-awarding of a goal, the VAR needed to check the buildup to the goal, which included a possible offside decision involving R Roger Espinoza. When checking this play, VAR concluded that the on-field decision of not offside was not clearly wrong. So let's be very clear what they're saying here, Kevin, because this is a problem with VAR. This is what they're saying. They're saying the angle on the field wasn't good enough to be able to determine clear and obviously that Roger Espinosa 
was offside, but it was good enough to be to be able to determine. Uh, and as far as we know, they don't have an angle from the goal line. It was clear and obvious enough to be able to determine that a ball went over the line when the camera is 15 yards up the line. So not clear and obvious and clear and obvious. They are out of their minds, straight well, up okay, out of their now, minds. I'm going to I'm going to take the other view. I think it was a goal. And I think that there was a, a shot that showed bond with his hands on the ball right. and, you and, and where was space between and the, where the was where was the angle from it wasn't down the line because they didn't have a line angle so it's up no. the line so you can't tell but i it, i if you look at the replay there appears to be space roger between, espinoza was a half yard offside that's but first now well go back to that because that's the one where the angle on, was not straight on either and i think that defender that's off yeah. on the other side yeah. is the one that keeps him on side yeah you're wrong but it's not the defender close to him no you're wrong this field. is i'm showing you science on this you're wrong he was a half a yard <laughs> offside all right offside show me, show me the science again offside modeling right wh who does who does these right puts a model together now what he said was that the model on this isn't great but he also indicated that if the model gets better, it's likely that Espinosa is further offside than the half a yard that he was offside. There is zero chance in HE double hockey sticks that they were able to determine the ball absolutely crossed the line from the angle that they had. And so a yellow yellow card for the referee? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or a red card. Stop guessing. All right. If you're not allowed to guess on one, because if you guessed, Espinosa looks like he's offside. Right? Yes, there's an angle, and we all have to sit there and say there's an angle. But Espinosa looks like he's offside. But you know what? Allow that to stand because it's close enough. Maybe not. By the way, a half a yard, the AR should have gotten a half a yard. A half a yard is a lot it, to be offside. All right? So the AR should have gotten that. Then you should have trusted the AR on the goal line instead of your angle 15 yards up the, up the way. doesn't matter because Espinosa was offside, so it shouldn't have mattered anyway. But they blew this call in two ways, and they made exceptions for one when they wouldn't make an exception for other. There's no consistency with how they called that. Zero. So if the LA Galaxy, let's say that goal gets called, that, that it stands, right? That basically it stands and they don't allow that goal. It's unlikely the LA Galaxy are going in losing 3 nothing at halftime. It's more likely that they're losing one nothing at halftime. Right now, it's the Galaxy. They could be losing 7 to nothing at halftime. But realistically, they're losing one nothing. one nothing at halftime is very, very different than 3 nothing at halftime. Well, the other part of that is if, if, if you were right and if they, they let the non-goal stand, you have Jonathan Bond standing on his head making a great three-shot sequence save. Um, it, not, it doesn't take anything away from the athleticism and the greatness of the play because he still made it. They just ruled that the second one had crossed the line. I think you get a real bounce out of that. I, I think it's deflating when you say, what a great play. It doesn't count. And, and and you want to talk about deflating the LA Galaxy get two goals on the other side of the half, right? Efrain Alvarez, certainly a reason. Raheem Edwards coming in. Julian Araujo coming in. Those are big changes that the Galaxy made that I thought really were had a lot to them, right? And so we saw a lot. We saw a lot of better play in that second half. Not saying they created chances in any sort of really dangerous way. Um, and VAR... By the way, people want to point to, well, VAR upheld the Chicharito goal whenever it wasn't, uh, whenever it wasn't given right away. I, everybody thought he was offside. He thought he was offside. That's why only way he finished so easily. He was like, ah, I'm offside. And he put it in. He was very, very clearly onside. Like, it is not a question. As soon as you watch the replay, it was funny because I was watching the replay of it today, and it was the Sporting Kansas City announcers, which I didn't hear whenever I was listening to Kobe. And they were like, oh, I don't know. It's pretty close. It's like, dude, it's not close at all. He was onside by a half a yard. That's the whole thing. He's onside by at least a half a yard. We all see what a giant 
how how onside he is. And the reason it's so easy to call Kevin is because that was almost right in line with the camera, right? That same camera can't be right in line with the goal line. That same camera can't be right in line with Espinosa. So I'm fine with allowing the Espinosa one to go, although you shouldn't miss a half yard call. You can't then call a goal whenever you're looking from up the field. If they had a different goal line camera, because sometimes we don't get privy to all of them, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on it. You still miss the Espinosa call, but I'm happy to be corrected. But you can't tell from up the field. There's zero chance. It doesn't take away from the fact that the Galaxy played a horrible game oh. and would have lost anyway. Well, I mean, so that was sort of the, the problem. That was sort of the thing there is that the Galaxy get two goals. You get the penalty kick from Chicharito. And, hey, he converted the penalty kick. Thank you. know, everybody should be happy about that. Um, and then you go and you look at um, Julian Rajo with the bad back pass to, to Jonathan Bond and and just ruin you know that. That to me was the the, the bad play because the, I thought the Galaxy were really I I actually did think they had a shot to tie they, that they were pressing and if they, they would have got out of with that horrible horrible game I mean even if they tie the game it's still a horrible effort right if they come out of there with a point <laughs> you you got to think you, what a wow, comeback that was amazing what a comeback quite honestly that, but it was that back pass that just killed them because you're right they were dry they were driving they were pressing I thought I I actually was sitting there thinking they're gonna do this. This is how you know the galaxies suck. Anytime they get like 63, 61, 62% possession, you know they're going to suck. Uh, that was that was them sucking um, in the 62.9% possession, um, dominating there. The expected goals, 3.1 for Sporting Kansas City, 1.4 for the Galaxy. Remember, the Galaxy get 0.7 just from the penalty kick. So you get half of your XG just from a penalty kick. So they generated next to nothing on the night. Chicharito, obviously, with the goal scoring there. He was offside a lot, too. Um if we look at the points of the playoffs, Kevin. Nine uh, shots on goal for Sporting Kansas City, by the way. That's a lot. Isn't it more than that? How many? What was it? Oh, it was they nine shots. 16 shots, yeah, yeah, nine 16, on goal. 16 shots, nine, nine on goal. Nine on target is a lot. Jonathan Bond. Uh, again, it's rare that you give up four goals and you're like, wasn't the goalkeeper's fault, right? There was, yeah. This, this is one of those. You're like, not the goalkeeper's fault. Uh, points of the playoffs for the LA Galaxy. And by the way, a $5 super chat from uh, Jonathan who says, add Guessman to the roster. You don't want me. I'm old and I can barely move. Um... So here we go now. The Galaxy get three points against Atlanta, zero points against Dallas, zero points against Sporting Kansas City. Have two home games coming up, Vancouver and Seattle. Chances at points. Quite honestly, cha- the, Kevin, you said it before, right? What'd you say? Uh, would you, it's a can't. It's a can't, it's a can't not win. Yeah, or, or can't, can't not lose. Can't not lose. Yeah. It's not a can't, it's not a must win. It's a must mm-hmm. not lose. Um, both of those. And, and the Vancouver game is winnable, even mm-hmm. in, with the way the Galaxy are playing. Seattle, you know what? It's Seattle. It's the Sounders. You never you'd go to sleep with those guys. But I saw them against LAFC. They didn't get a shot on goal. They looked terrible against Atlanta in this last game. Everyone's waiting for Seattle to wake up, and maybe they're just going to sleep till the end of the year. That's okay. They have um, so they have a Concacaf Champions League trophy in their closet. I, I, I yeah. job job complete as far as I'm concerned on that. But that's uh, the team the Galaxy have to get past. When you look at the standings, the one that shouldn't be down that far. Is, is the Sounders. If the Galaxy and the Sounders are right ahead of the Galaxy, if the Galaxy can get past the Sounders, uh, I, I think they're good. If they can win that game or at least draw that game and then they go back east for the New England-Toronto trip, um, it, it may not be as dire a situation. If they lose to or, or draw Vancouver and lose to Seattle, if they get one point out of those two home games, that's going to be really bad. They have 15 points remaining at home. 
right? So less than half of their 33 points. They have more road games coming up than they do have home games to sort of close this out. And the last one against Houston, Sebastian Legette definitely scores a goal in that game, right? I don't know if we talked about it on on Thursday with all the stuff that was going on and all the craziness, but Sebastian Legette being transferred over to the Houston Dynamo. I believe all of the incentives, by the way, carry over um, because there were incentives for him for the Galaxy to make their $1.3 million um, instead of just $500,000. But New England sold sold Sebastian Legette to Houston for six hundred. So New England made $100,000 on the transfer um, just to show you how much the LA Galaxy absolutely gifted Sebastian Legette away. Um, I think Legette scores on an assist from Daniel Steris. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. Um, so anyway, we are still expecting, and I think the 48 points is getting real close to what I expect. It might be a little less. Just watching again, just the middling that's going on in the Western Conference. Um, but we're expecting 48 points. That means the Galaxy have 30 points right now. They need 18 points. There's 33 points remaining. They need more than half the points in order to get to that 48 number. We'll see if that holds up, and maybe we'll even adjust it as we sort of get closer um, to see how that stands up uh, against everything. If we look at the Western Conference right now, oh, man, I did. I was like, oh, let's look at the Western Conference, not the Eastern Conference. Sliding all over the place. Uh, Western Conference right now, LAFC 51 points, 2.22 points per game. Uh, you're not catching them. You're not catching Austin. Uh, you're not probably catching Dallas. Uh, you're not catching Minnesota. But you come down here into Salt Lake. Salt Lake is four points away from the LA Galaxy. Nashville is three points away. Portland is three points away. Uh, Seattle is two points ahead of the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy are tied on 30 points with Colorado and Vancouver. Vancouver so if coming everything up this goes weekend. right, if, if the Galaxy beat Vancouver and, and the rest of the results go the way the Galaxy need them to go, they could vault from ninth to sixth. I mean, yes. that's how close the thing is. One win could take you from ninth to sixth. And, and then if you don't get that win, then you blow an opportunity, you lose three points, you lose a, a week, and things get a little rough for you. That's why this is a must-not-lose and not so much a must-win. That's okay. Everybody just corrected me. I was uh, They they sold the Sebastian Legette to FC Dallas, not Houston. I knew that. I just wanted to. I was looking at Houston and being, oh, that's a Dallas. So oh, they, well, yeah. that's why he's not going to score that goal. Then. Yeah, so so much better. Much better. Now the Galaxy Daniel don't have Sturris to play will do it by Daniel right. Sturridge will have to do it by himself. <laughs> Ethan Zubek coming off the bench. Uh, to get the Galaxy. Uh, I will say this, the LA Galaxy at their lowest point this all season in terms of standings. Uh, you look at the Western Conference, their previous low was seven. They're in ninth right now. You look at their Supporter Shield standings, their previous low was 14th. They are now at 15. I would love to show you the LA Galaxy, Kevin, on this, um, on, on this Supporter Shield, except that I only do the top 14 um, because I take half the league because the table gets so big. How can you possibly see everybody, right? Um, so the LA Galaxy currently not on my self-selected supporter shield race in terms of that. That means the LA Galaxy, who have been one of the top 50% teams in Major League Soccer for most of the season, are now no longer that. They are in the bottom 50%. Yes, it's only one spot. Yes, FC Cincinnati's ahead of them. Yes, they have a chance to beat Seattle and Portland. If you look at that, Kevin, just in terms of the teams that are around them, winning those games would do a lot to separate the LA Galaxy from those two teams. Um, on their own. And that's what you need to start doing right now. I am. There are lots of people who are like, this is not a playoff team. I, ha, seeing them play, Kevin, I don't know that you can necessarily disagree with that. Seeing how they no. played against Sporting Kansas City was, it, there was nothing there. So I don't, there's, there's not something that I can sit there and say, oh yeah, absolutely. This team can, now can they make the playoffs? Absolutely. Um, they absolutely can. Uh, I've seen this team play well. Uh, I just haven't seen it, it recently. You know, Vancouver's only lost one of their last five. So we talk about the Whitecaps sort of being patsies. Not necessarily. They they uh, Teams tend to overlook Vancouver, I think. And and they can sneak up on you. 
that's just what the galaxy need. Somebody to sneak up on them. They're already skittish. But the galaxy can't afford to overlook anybody right now. Going to be interesting. Another interesting little uh, sideline, um, a little side story that's going on is one that is quickly gathering steam. And that is that Julian Araujo, now the the initial reports from TUDN uh, were talking about Araujo possibly going to Club America and that Club America was interested, Kevin. And that's it. Okay, if you're looking at Julian Araujo and what you want for the arc of his career, I don't think sending him to Liga MX is, is where you want to do that right now. There's... There's more smoke on this next rumor, which is that he would go, be going to Porto in Portugal, right? And so uh, Julian Araujo apparently very much in advanced stages with FC Porto. Now, I can't tell you whether or not any of this stuff makes any sense, Kevin. Um, it does. It makes sense. We've known Julian Araujo was, um, was wanted overseas over the years. We know that there were teams interested in him before. We know the LA Galaxy said no thank you. But I think that the money is starting to get into the range. If these reports are to believed... $5 million for Julian Araujo. Now, Kevin, I'm coming to you. You get to be, um, do you want to be Jovan Karofsky or Chris Klein? Who would you like to be right now? No, neither. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll be John Thorrington. Okay. How about, how about you be, don't, don't do this on my podcast. That's not, that's not <laughs> nice at all. You can be Michael Stevens. So Michael Stevens, okay. Michael Stevens gets a call from Porto and they say, we're going to give you $5 million, but we want Julian Araujo right now. Do you go take that to Greg? Is that something that you talk to Greg and you say, they they want to give us $5 million. We could spend $5 million in a lot of different ways and a lot of fun things. We could convert a million of that into general allocation money. You know, so Yes, I, I absolutely take that because I think they they're already have to start thinking about this team is, is, is fatally flawed. And I think Greg knows that. And I think Greg's tried to make some triage moves, you know, the push thing. Uh, Bergman, I think he's made some triage moves to try to get to the end of the season and have hope. But I think he knows it's fatally flawed. And I think the $5 million is something he can put in the bank now and start to think ahead. I don't think he's going to make any other moves for the rest of the season while the transfer window is closed anyways. But he could start to compile some of this some of this money. Remember, you know, you don't want to talk much about LAFC. I get it. But that's what Thorrington started doing last year. He made that trade for Mark Anthony Kay in July. He knew the team wasn't gonna, wasn't very good, and he started putting that money together, the money that allowed him to buy Cropo, to buy uh, um, uh, Kellen Acosta and some of those other players. That's when he started to make those moves, and I think if, if the offer is there and it's a good one, and first of all, I know Julian's agent, and he's told me many times he is not going to tell me that a rumor is false if it's leaking his player to a big team. Yeah. He said that it, to our advantage. So there's no use in even asking whether it's true or not because he's going to say it is. It's a big team and he wants to be linked to it. But I, I would, yeah, I would take that money in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I, and if, Joy, if I was Julian, I would obviously take the transfer. Another thing is when they signed him, if you remember, they signed Efra and Julian to extensions about the same time last summer, mm -hmm. long extensions, right. uh, gave them big raises. And Dennis told me at the time, uh, you know, my question to him was, these are young players. They could go south quickly. Um, you, you've locked them up for a long time. Is that a smart thing to do? And he said, yes, because we, we anticipate that they're going to, to go on the market and people are going to want them. And if they do it, they become an asset for us. Right. And if we don't sell them, then we have them locked up for five years and we know they're not going anywhere. We can build around them. So they were clearly at that time being considered an asset. Now that asset is coming due. So I, I think you make the move. I think I'd take the $5 million. Now, if it's a million, maybe not. Let, let me give you two scenarios. I was kicking this around in a, in a group text that I have, and we were sort of talking about what somebody said, you know, 
the chances, though, for Julian Araujo possibly going to Mexico and, and playing in the World Cup. Now, there's I think there's a slim chance of that this person, one of the people did make a intelligent argument that with 26 spots, there are three more roster spots that people can fill in. And Julian Araujo is probably in contention to try to fill one of those last three spots. Now, if everything goes as sort of maybe uh, the rest of Mexico's uh, plans have gone, Mexico loses the first two games and they have a third game. Right, Kevin? They're playing this third game. They're already eliminated. They don't have anything. Julian Rajo goes out there and gets to feature in a World Cup game. He has a good game. Does this, is, is it worth it there to sit there and say, if he has a good game, he might be as much worth as much as $10 million. He could double his price just by playing in a World Cup game and playing well in that World Cup game for Mexico. Is that or he worth it? Make, or he doesn't make the national team at all for whatever reason, right. and then his, his stock drops. Absolutely. The reason I would say uh, Club America might be a better move for Julian not for the Galaxy, for Julian, mm. is because it's it's the biggest team in Mexico, even though they're struggling. It's the biggest team in Mexico. It's in Mexico City. Everybody with the Federation is going to see him on a weekly basis, uh, and and he's going to be there right in front of them. But his but his overall, his, his arc, right? And Julian's good enough, I think, to play in Europe, and maybe not in the Premier League, right? But in Portugal, yes. Could he play in Germany eventually? Yes. I think he has a better arc in Europe. That he does. I think he's more valuable. There's also this is this is the best case scenario that if this is true in the LA Galaxy, you're going to sell Julian Araujo that they sell him for five million dollars to Porto, okay? And then that part of the deal is that you loan him for the rest of the season. Remember, the rest of the season is only until like October, right? Because if the Galaxy miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs, right? Even if they make it, everything's over in November and everybody's going on a World Cup break. Julian can join Porto after the World Cup break, and he's already in shape. He's ready to go. Right. So that would be the best case scenario is you get your money, you keep Julian through the rest of the year, you get the off season to replace him. You already have Kelvin Leardam in a position to replace Julian Rojo. I know people don't love that, but that's a real scenario there that you could put Kelvin Leardam in his spot if you needed to move him right now. Uh, yeah. And, and well, the Club America option for me is not a Galaxy option because Porto is obviously going to pay a lot more. That's what we're it's hearing. An, yeah. It, yeah, it's a Julian Araujo option that if he wants to be part of the national team in the near term, being right in front of their faces is a good thing for him. The Porto, you know, whether or not he goes to Porto this season, if if I'm Julian Araujo, I want to go to Porto now. Why? Because I, again, want to prove to the national team that I can play against big players. And you're going to see bigger players in Porto, uh, in Portugal, than you're probably going to see in MLS. Now, that may not be true on a weekly basis, but I think that prejudice is there. The belief that, oh, the Portuguese league must be better than MLS. If I'm Julian Araujo, I want to go there and prove that I'm that good because they've already seen me in MLS and they've made their decision. And I'm a guy that's kind of, you know, on the bubble. What you said earlier, though, was interesting. 26 players. You can take uh, the last three choices could kind of be a flyer, a guy that, you know what? He doesn't figure in our plans, well, but maybe wasn't Greg, wasn't Greg Vanny. One of the guys who got left off a world cup roster. Didn't, didn't we he talk got to, injured? Yeah. Uh, he did he get injured. injured right before it is? Was that what yeah. it was? Yeah. He got injured and Steve Chirindolo took his place. Uh, and, uh, but with Julian Araujo, he is a guy that, yeah, he's a defender, but he's also an offensive player. He's a guy that might be able to fill in, you know, a little bit in the midfield, maybe be sort of a defensive midfielder, uh, a guy that's going to push into the attack. A he's a guy that would he can look, be a wingback. He, right. He would look really good in that bubble position. A guy that, look, he doesn't fit in our plans, but geez, if we really need a goal and we got to bring somebody off the bench, that might be the guy that we want. I think that 26-man roster helps him 
probably more than a lot of other players. It does, and that's why it's sort of a question. It, it to me is that you would want to hold if in the perfect scenarios you want to hold Julian Rajo till the end of the season and then you move him. But quite honestly, knowing that Porto is offering five million, if they come with a real offer, it's really five million dollars. That's in the range. I mean, I I figured three three to four, and this is at five. I don't know how you don't pull the trigger. And even though I think that dramatically hurts the LA Galaxy's chances of doing anything this year, and maybe everybody's already written off. I'm fine if you've written off the Galaxy. I'm not there. I can see the math. I understand how this team is. I've seen this team play good. I've seen them play bad. Sometimes they sometimes they play like lights out, and you're like, whoa, where has this team been the whole time? And sometimes they're absolutely atrocious. I mean, I don't know how you watched that Sporting Kansas City game and didn't like reach over for the bleach somewhere and was like, should I? Should I, you know, it's like, this is, this is, we talked about it whenever Greg Vanny came in and I was like, I've watched so much bad soccer since 2017 that it was nice to see good soccer. Whenever the galaxy absolutely smacked LAFC off the field in the open cup, I was like, that was, that was nice soccer to watch. It was entertaining. It was high pressure. It was executed correctly. It was focused. It was all these things that you wanted it to be. And I'm like, that's your reward for us, Kevin. Whenever we watch all these games all the time, seeing a great game every once in a while is like, that's your reward for seeing this. And I was so happy to be rewarded. And well, then, the then LAFC watched, regular season game was pretty good too. It was, it was. And, and the galaxy again, a dominant performance and they hang, hung on at the end and it was an exciting game. And you're like, that's why we come to these games. There have been very few of those since then that have, and certainly not the sporting Kansas city game. I felt like I was being punished. I felt like I was being punished extra whenever Greg Vanny took extra time to come talk to us in the post game, because I'm like, I could be doing so many other things right now, instead of talking to a team who just lost four to two in such a disheartening way in the first half. And then Julian Araujo passing back to, to Jonathan bond. That sort of just, I mean, that was like kicking somebody while they're down, you know, it was, it just felt horrible. You know, why, why do you think we've talked about the Galaxy not being able to start games very well? But the last two seasons, remember last season, I think it was 13, 14 games in, uh, it had something to do with Minnesota. I think they won or drew in Minnesota, and they went, they were top of the, of the yeah. standings for a couple of hours, but they were number one. This year, they started out very well, not only with wins and losses, but they played really well for maybe the first two months of the season. Where, where'd that team go? Same players. It's the same players, but they're just not playing the same way. Uh, uh, Ricky Pouge, we talked about him arriving. We don't know his visa status. We, I, I'm assuming that because he's in the United States that they I have... I think he could qualify for a visa and a MasterCard. And a MasterCard. Maybe an Amex, do you think, or no? He's probably too young for an Amex, isn't he? He's just 23. When I was in college, I got one because I had like the student newspaper, the little application. Nice. You just you had to write that out, or did you have to type it on your typewriter? Is click, click, <laughs> clickety-clack? Is that how you did it? Um, we had a Morse code. I was, I figured click, tick, 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 tick. Um, here's the other interesting thing that has sort of been popping up. And I've been talking with some people who are, who are as smart as this, as, as anybody, but talking about this TAM deal, we talked about how I think on Thursday that there's a pot that, you know, I'm trying to find some mechanism that would allow the LA galaxy to basically buy down his salary for this half season. So that way he could be a designated player next year it kind of doesn't work that way. And it's one of the things I initially said was that if they're saying he's a TAM player and he's a TAM player for three and a half years, then Ricky push should be a tag pl- to TAM player for the rest of his contract. That would make this a better signing <laughs> Kevin than even if he becomes a DP next year and they end up using, it. because if you have Ricky uh, and he's just a TAM player, that gives you a lot of room as a designated player with Chicharito possibly not coming back with Douglas Costa possibly being bought out with Kevin Cabral sent on a, on a, on a, a plane ride somewhere and 
he just goes there. Maybe he needs to be on the lost plane. Maybe that's where he needs to go. Um, however that ends up happening, the galaxy could have some flexibility in that. Th this thing is the thing that's driving me sort of crazy is that, it, and somebody rightfully pointed out, if he's making $4 million a year or $3.3 million a year or whatever at Barcelona, and now he's limited to $1.6 million a year, how does he set, how does, in his mind, is he excited about coming to the LA Galaxy at 1.6 million for three and a half years? I'm imagining he's Max Tam, 1.612, right? 500, right? That type of thing. I don't know how to square that. Um, so we're going to have to wait. One, we're going to have to wait to see what a salary is. Uh, whenever they release the salaries, we'll get to know Brugman's salary, we'll get to know, um, get to know uh, Ricky's salary as well. And then we're going to have to figure out how that all works in terms of contracts. That, the last. The last thing has not been said about this contract, and there are already whiners across Major League Soccer. Same whenever Gareth Bell came on a TAM deal. Same whenever Zlatan Ibrahimovic came on a, on a TAM deal, which was, how did you get that done? You're probably cheating. Um, so, I, by the way, would not put it past this front office to cheat at this point. They are so beleaguered and so under the gun that I could see somebody trying to fudge numbers or do something. I'm not saying that it's happening. I haven't been given any information. I'm just saying that like when you're this much under pressure, could you see them sort of being like, who cares? Just do it. We need something. This needs to happen. Yeah, they do have some flexibility because Chicharito will be out of contract at the end of this season. He, there is an option. It's a club option, which means only the Galaxy can, can enforce it. Ch you know, Chicharito doesn't have any say. So they do have you know, some options in that way that if, if they can get to the end of the season, then all of a sudden DP, at least one DP spot opens up. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's talk about the uh, the LA Galaxy 2 trying to take a field down in Orange County. Now, one of my favorite plays, Championship Soccer Stadium down at the Irvine Great Park. Um, that's where the LA Galaxy went to play their U.S. Open Cup game against Cal United Strikers. Um, and they played a, remember they played a preseason game there in 2017, 2018? Yes. And, and I remember the Galaxy really loved it. And I was surprised they hadn't been back since. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was uh, it was really cool. They were trying to come back the next year, remember? And it got canceled, it got rained out. The field was underwater because we got so much rain. Right. That type well, of thing. A, a couple of things about that stadium. When it was built, now Orange County Soccer Club has played there since they were the first tenant and they're still there and they're averaging over 4,000 a game, 4,600 right. a game. It's a 5,000 seat stadium. So they're doing quite well. They won a national championship last year. Right. But that stadium was not designed for them. MLX Next Pro. It wasn't designed for them. Right. The idea was they were going to hold some real events there. They were talking about big friendlies. Now, they weren't going to get Barcelona, Real Madrid. It's too small. But Vissel Kobe, if you remember when they came in and they had uh, um, Iniesta and, and they came here on a little tour, they were supposed to play Orange County Soccer Club at that stadium. The draw was Iniesta, of course. That game was rained out. They really haven't had any big events there since then. It's not quite a white elephant because they do use it over a hundred days a year. Right. The, the way the contract is set right now is there are 40 days for f professional teams to play. 18 of those professional games go to Orange County Soccer Club. They pay $195,000 a year to do that. So they get 22 of those 40 days. The other, the other tw uh, 22 days are split between uh, gold. I think it's Golden State Force FC and then the, the Cal strike Cal United Strikers, right? Right. They split the other two. Uh, Cal Baptist uses it's used for um, uh, the, the, um, there was a Linehart flag football league that played there. They use it for a lot of other events. The problem is the field is grass. Right. And because of that, four months out of the year, the field cannot be used because they have to work on the grass. It costs up to $700,000 a year to maintain the grass in that field. So long story short, the three proposals that the Irvine City Council was supposed to listen to tomorrow, Tuesday, proposal one Keep it the way it is. 
40 games a year professional split between the two team, the, the three teams. The uh, contract would renew in November for another two years. 40 professional dates, 80 community dates. Community teams can use it for whatever. Proposal number two, the Galaxy wanted exclusive professional rights, meaning 18 games a year for Galaxy 2, which is the MLS Next Pro team beginning next season. They wanted exclusive rights. That means 18 games. They would pay the city of Irvine for any lost revenue by limiting the number of professional days. 22 professional days are out. It would open up more days for community use for the liner flag football league and other things. Um, But the Galaxy would be the only professional or semi-professional team. I mean, Gold State Force is out. Strikers are out. Orange County is out. Galaxy has exclusive rights, and they pay for that. The third option, which, frankly, I'm not a politician, which is a really good thing for everybody. But if I was, this is the option I would vote on. Put artificial turf in. The, uh, it costs a, about a million dollars from the start, but the the upkeep it drops to about seven thousand dollars a year from seven hundred thousand, um, and you can use it three hundred sixty five days a year. There's no four months when it can't be used. Now professional teams won't be able to play there. Uh, right now, Orange County Great Park is looked at as a potential practice facility for the 2026 World Cup. Right. That's out because it's artificial turf. Right. But the stadium is not generating the revenue and not generating the use that they originally thought it would because the grass has to be, you know, it has to be unused four months out of the year. So those are the three options. Yeah. Now the Galaxy are saying that they never asked for exclusive well, use. Well, I mean, that's I not have the that's, city council agenda right here. I mean, that's not uh, what they're saying really though, did. right? They didn't say that. Here's the here's the statement from the Galaxy. The, the and and we got sent this and. I would like to be very clear. The reason that this statement got put out was because Kevin and I were asking. Um, as far as I know, we were the ones who were driving this from the galaxy because I'd asked multiple times. You asked multiple times, right? Um, well, Alicia Rodriguez was writing about it as well. She right. actually had a story yeah, uh, she, online last week. Well, I mean, but but I, I don't know that we've seen like any significant. I asked a couple days ago to get a statement from the galaxy and I didn't get it anywhere. And then eventually it comes through. So we're trying to get something on this to find out. Here's what the galaxy said today was the LA Galaxy are a proud partner to the local soccer community and are committed to positively growing the sport of soccer in the Southern California region. LA Galaxy are not interested in an exclusive arrangement for LA Galaxy to, 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 to play at Orange County Great Park Championship Soccer and have advised all parties of our willingness to open conversations with the city of Irvine and other stakeholders on mutually acceptable arrangements pertaining to the use of the stadium moving forward. That is what they well, said. Well, here's the city council meeting agenda minutes where right. it said, Based on our preliminary discussion, this is the city of Irvine in a, in a staff memo. Based on our preliminary discussions with LA Galaxy 2, this alternate stadium operational model, op, the operational model is the old one with Orange County. This alternate operational model it contemplates partnering exclusively with LA Galaxy 2 for use of the stadium for their home games. So it's exclusive. So, they said they want the Galaxy asking for exclusive, and they want to know from Irvine by March, by this Friday, by March 12th, whether Irvine wants to do that. And, and basically what we're seeing now is that the city council removed that agenda item. Now, Orange County Soccer Club, who has been taking a lot of swings at the LA Galaxy, uh, I would like to point out, Kevin, you said it correctly. They're a tenant. They're a renter, right? Um, I rent the house that I'm in. Uh, if somebody else wanted to come in here and rent this house, that is obviously one of the dangers of renting a house, right? You have a lease. Once that lease is up, then anybody can come in here and rent that house. You you will be competing in the marketplace against things. So I will say one thing is if you don't want to be in this situation, then don't be a renter somewhere. I realize not everybody has the money to be able to do this. I really like OCSC. I think what they're doing is great. I think the national championship was a fun thing to watch. 
Uh, I don't live that far from the Great Park, so it's an easy sort of uh, you know commute for me to get there. Really love the facility, really love the stadium. But bottom line is that Orange County SC ha- holds no more right to that than anybody else who wants to rent it. That being said, if you're the LA Galaxy, and particularly being your owned by AEG, one of the largest co- corporations in the United States and in the world, and the amount of money that you have and all these things that are sort of come in, it's really hard for me to be like, yeah, you'd need to take over the lease of that it's, soccer Especially field. when you have one of the largest soccer facilities in the country. I mean, look at all those practice fields they have there. And and LA Galaxy 2 have been playing there since their inception. Why all of a sudden do they have to go 37 miles away? I mean, you know, the big thing, and, and I will say this is, and I think Orange County SC certainly hints at this whenever they were taking jabs at the Galaxy, which by the way, it's going to probably end up that maybe they could share it with the Galaxy and maybe things that could work out. So now they're sort of just taking everybody off. So Orange County probably needs to stop at this point. All the releases, all the things, all these things that are going out. I 100% believe, Kevin, that the LA Galaxy would have happily made this go through without anybody paying attention and they would have moved all their stuff down there and they would have tried to exploit the Orange County market, mostly because they're getting pressured out of the Los Angeles market by um, LAFC. And the other part about that is that they have a crap facility to watch LA Galaxy 2 in if they're not playing in the main stadium, right? You can say all you want to about the track and field stadium. It's interesting to go to a game there. It is not a soccer stadium. It does not feel like a soccer stadium. It is not close to being an enjoyable experience for people who don't love soccer ridiculously like a lot of us do, right? If you're talking about a casual fan, nobody wants to go to the track and field stadium to watch soccer game. Okay, the LA Galaxy, and I've been arguing this for years now, should build a small stadium on the campus of uh, that they already have. They have a bunch of fields. You don't always have to use those fields. You need a dedicated training facility there. They have training facilities, but it's not up to the par and the standards that are expected right now around the world, and especially in Major League Soccer with what everybody's building. So invest in your home if that's where you're going to stay. Now, that brings the question, are the LA Galaxy going to stay at Dignity Hill Sports Park? And how long are they gonna, going to stay? And is this one of the first moves? Not only is MLS going after USL, because remember, MLS is doing uh, uh, MLS Next Pro, right? Which is going on this year, and the Galaxy will be joining next year. The Galaxy's USL team is going away, right? So this it becomes the, US, the MLS Next Pro, right? Galaxy yep. 2, it'll probably keep the same name, just change its affiliation. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And so, so well, th- that stadium, by the way, and you talked about it, if you've never been there, I really encourage you to go if you're listening to this. It's a marvelous stadium. Imagine going to Dodger Stadium and enjoying the Dodgers and all the festivities and the big stadium and then going to a minor league stadium. In a lot of ways, you don't know the players, but it's a much more enjoyable experience. Um, you're closer to the action. The concessions are cheaper. The parking lot's not nearly as full. It's a lot of fun. That's what Orange County Soccer Club, when you go to a game there, that's what it's like. My prediction is, first of all, this was supposed to be uh, uh, taken up at the council meeting tomorrow. tomorrow. There wasn't supposed to be uh, – uh, yeah, Tuesday. There wasn't supposed to be a decision made, but they were supposed to talk about it. Now, the next city council meeting is in two weeks. I'm told it, is, it will not be on the agenda there. The Galaxy wanted an answer by August 12th, so that's out the window. It will not be on the agenda there. It's probably pushed back till at least September um, I think you're right. I think what's going to happen is the Galaxy and Orange County are going to make an agreement. They're each going to play 18 games there. That's 36. That's under the 40-game window. And the Strikers and Golden Force FC, uh, they're going to have to go out and find another place to play. There's always some talk about the Strikers moving to the Inland Empire uh, anyways, so that might happen. Uh, it, it's interesting that Orange County seems ready to make that agreement if that were to come up. 
they're talking about being forced out of their home. They're okay with the other two teams getting forced out. They don't seem to be voicing a lot of objection about that. Yeah, it um, is. You know, they're, they're claiming term. And listen, they, they sort of have, they were there first. So they get that, right? I, I don't have any problems with them sort of laying the flag. It's just they're sticking their flag in a rented piece of property. So that's sort of wherever I get crazy. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that, uh, that the Galaxy um, were... Tr- I don't know what the play is here outside of well, moving that, down, that's, right? That's that's the big problem. I think there's uh, you can make up, you can conjure up reasons why they would do this. One, I think going into the Orange County market, they feel like they might have lost L.A. You, they can't go north and they can't go west, so they're going to go east and south. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and they're kind of uh, competing with the, the uh, San Diego Union a little bit, or Loyal a little bit, too. That makes sense. They want to go out there. The other thing I have heard this, and I don't know that it's true, but I've heard with this MLS Next, one of the things that MLS wants to do is widen its footprint. So rather than have the Galaxy and everything at Dignity Health Sports Park, they want to play their games 37 miles down. You'll see that with Kansas City. You'll see that with maybe Seattle. You'll see that with other teams. They'll go more into the suburban markets to play those games. And if they force somebody out, that's just too bad. They're going to, you know, you're going to leave and they're going to have to compete with that. Um, but those may be good reasons and you can make that argument and you can make it in a way that, that makes you look good. But what I think it really comes down to is the galaxy, as we know, this, this galaxy team tends to do totally botch this. They misread the room. Um, they didn't, most of the pushback I've seen on social media are from galaxy fans or people who would, yeah. who are inclined to be it, galaxy. It feels fans. dirty. They, Yeah, Galaxy, don't do this. Orange County tells me that they did not know anything about this until it wound up on the agenda minutes, which by law must be posted online. That's when they first found out about it. Nobody came to them. Irvine didn't come to them. The Galaxy didn't come to them. It just happened kind of in secret. That's politics, though, Kevin. This is how this stuff. I mean, I understand that it's not that you're like, well, that's not fair. But at the same time. It's like, oh, well, I, no, my landlord didn't tell me that another tenant wanted to rent my place after my lease but, expired. But you see how, how how muddy the galaxy winds up looking I understand. in this. And they and they did have to back down. They, they can send out all the releases they want. They back down under the public pressure. If, you know, from what I've heard from Orange County, if they had just come to them and said, or hey, even yeah, yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. It, 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 there might have been a final resolution. But now it looks like the galaxy were sneaking around. Listen, they don't they're get getting around behind their back. They don't get to play angels either. Don't don't give them. Oh, well, if they just would, you know, all they had to do was reach out and talk to us, and then we wouldn't have been so mean to them. I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, like you said, I think you got it right. Orange County seems very willing to enter into an exclusive agreement very quickly if they got the chance to do it. Now, they're pr- probably fine with it staying the way it is, too. That's okay. They want to dominate their market. I get it. It's just, you know, again. But I, you got to admit, this was a Julian Araujo backpass uh, that the Galaxy pulled <laughs> oh, off. It, I, yeah. went, it went awry. I don't like it. I don't. Whatever they were thinking, and I don't know that they were thinking, but whatever they were thinking, it didn't play out the way they anticipated. Huh, that's life. Um, I want to get to, let's see, we talked about MLS next pro. We did that. Uh, all-star game is the last thing really we have to cover. And I'm not going to say we're going to cover this in any sort of detail whatsoever. Uh, just a heads up tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, August 9th, ESPN and TUDN, the skills competition kicks off. Now, um, heard, I heard that there were goalie wars going to be played in the skills competition, which is the only reason that you should ever watch this. But then I also heard that's only for the people 
who are live in stadium and they're only going to fill the commercial breaks, Kevin. So we won't get to see goalie wars, which was the only reason to watch the skills competition. And I think Chicharito's playing in the skills competition. He's also captaining uh, the MLS all-stars game as they, uh, the MLS all-star side as they play Liga MX coming up that game Wednesday, August 10th, by the way, 5 30 PM ESPN and uh, Univision. Do, do, do you care? Are you going to watch it? Do you care at all? Um, maybe. I want me not really. No, I mean, do I care? No. Will I watch it? Maybe uh, I will watch it stri- strictly from this point of view. I want to see who gets injured. That's why I will. I will watch it. It is strictly an injury watch for me. It's like, oh, I want to be able to write the story about how Chicharito's knees get blown out in the all star game going in for a tackle. And that's it. He's done. Julian Rajo, who was on his way to FC Porto, is done for the season. Now, those are the types of things that happen in these MLS all star games. So I am. I am deathly afraid of games that don't matter. I didn't like the Chivas game. I was surprised everybody got away from that unscathed. Um, and now you get into another game that means absolutely nothing. Well, you you weren't there at SoFi, but uh, a lot of the, it, both both uh, Mexican league coaches in Spanish spoke about how poor the field was. And yeah, was so we asked, we asked Chirundel about that. I remember it was a grass carpet laid down on top of the AstroTurf. We asked Chirundel about it and he said, that, that's not why we're here. That's not what we're going to talk about. We, that's not that shouldn't be the focus. That's yes, not, the field was horrible. But that's not, not the message. That's it. not the message MLS wants to send. You know, and League of Mexico want to talk about. The only All Star game in any sport that I ever really liked was, and this is going to be a you kids get off my lawn moment, was the old Major League Baseball All Star game when you wore your team uniform and the American League and National League didn't play during the regular season, so it was the only chance you might get to see yeah. a great American League player play against a great National League player. And sure, no one really cared about the outcome, but. That was fun to watch, all the different uniforms and guys facing each other for the first time. The NFL All-Star game never meant anything. There's no defense played in hockey or the NBA. It's it's almost like, why why do this? Yeah. I, I it just, It's hard to... I will say this. Baseball has the only All-Star game that feels competitive sometimes, right? Everything else you're right is sort of just like there's no defense played. There's holding... This game last year was more competitive than I expected it to. I think... Yeah, went to, remember, it went to penalty kicks. Yeah, I think the redo of this, like doing it two years in a row, um, is 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 a little disappointing, uh, but I'm not sure it changes anytime soon, especially with League's Cup coming next year and the whole month of June, basically. Or Yeah, it's going to be June. I think it's going to be June. Whole month of June that's going to be all one big tournament in League's Cup between MLS and, and League MX. I think that's actually pretty interesting. It's starting to get... It's starting to, to pique my interest... Uh, and I especially think, uh, I think Adrian Heath was talking about it. I think the players were talking about it today for the MLS All-Star Game. And remember, Julian Rajo and Chicharito, they flew to the All-Star Game. They're there now. Um, they're doing interviews. They're doing all this stuff. But Adrian Heath was sort of saying, it's like, at no time has MLS ever been this close to Liga MX. And there's actual competitive games that can be played between these teams now. And so the All-Star Game isn't as much of a maybe a farce as it has been just in terms of these are two competitive, evenly matched teams. That being said, uh, I expect that Liga MX is going to actually take it seriously this year um, and beat the ever living crap out of major league soccer. But Hey, that's just me. Could be, but you know, that league's cup is a gamble though. If, if the, if the final eight teams are all from one league or the other, in my case, I I would guess would be Liga MX. Right. Then the competition looks like a farce. And then I wonder too, teams that go out and group play, what do they do for the next three and a half weeks? They're gonna they're gonna play foosball, um, maybe some maybe some PlayStation, uh, maybe they're gonna Twitch live stream some co some COD. I, I don't know, Kevin. I know some of those things I just said are completely foreign to you, and you're like, what language were you speaking? Yeah, but it's exactly. Okay. Maybe they could go to the Orange County Great Park. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll say this, ratchet back the reactions to all of that. I think some of the reactions on both sides have been hysterical. I'm like, y'all need to find a hobby outside of watching people argue over a piece of dirt neither of them own. So yes, calm down. Um, I get it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's, that's where I'm going to plant my flag. That's, that's the, the, the type of thing. There's pride in Orange County fans saying that that's our home. So then buy it. You know, it's like one of those. It's like, okay, then buy it from the city and maintain it yourself and Man, do all that stuff. The city could save itself a boatload of money if they just put the turf in. I hate to say that because it, nobody, it, nobody uh, likes it, that. It answer. becomes a community field. Nobody likes that. Answer. Oh, field. great! So you get to watch high school soccer played there. It's like it, that's not. Well, they're not making any money off it right now. Well, they're not going to make any money off of it if they let the high schools play there either. I mean, yeah, but they don't have the maintenance fees. I did. Be so high. Sometimes, sometimes I can't believe I'm going to get into this argument. Oh, this is disappointing. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a disappointing argument that I am now going to get into. Sometimes cities, states, federal governments offer things as services to the public and they're not supposed to make money. Sometimes that's the way things happen. All right. And that's okay. Sometimes. Can you do it all the time, Kevin? Can everything be a money drain? No, you can't. But also, if you look at the the fiscal responsibility of the city, they should take the pl- the the deal that makes them the most money, right? Just like the Senate should pass the cap no, on insulin, no, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But no, we're not getting into okay. that. Okay, I was just I was making a soccer <laughs> argument about this, and now we have gone. And there. I went for it. And you and you just bit hook, line, and singer right in there. Um, LA Galaxy coming up playing this weekend. Uh, it's August thirteenth, seven p.m. kick. Or excuse me, seven p.m. TV time. It's a seven oh eight p.m. Uh, kickoff time. It's oh, on I Spectrum like Sports. That. That's good. Yeah, like I'm that. I'm amazing. Uh, Spectrum Sportsnet and LAGalaxy.com is where you can find that. So that means Joe and Kobe and Nikki on the call for you coming up this Saturday. We will have a podcast on Thursday that gets you through all this. Let me go through all of my things one more time. Let's see. Did we talk about the loss of Sporting Kansas City? We did. Did we talk about Julian Araujo being transferred? Absolutely. Did we talk about Orange County SC Stadium deal? Yep. Uh, did we talk about Ricky arriving? Did. All-Star game. Done. Done. Check. Check. All good. We have covered everything, Mr. Baxter, in just... And we did it. Yeah, one hour and 12 minutes. One hour and 12 minutes. Not too bad. That's actually pretty good for us. So um, anything else you want to discuss before we get in there? Do you think that uh, that Ricky Puj has visa stuff ready to go? Do you think he will? I would would be surprised, but I I think he I think it'll happen in short order. Uh, I think they've known that they were going to be making this deal for a little while, not a long time. I I think, you know, fitness wise, he's in his preseason. I don't know that he'll play against Vancouver. I don't know that he'll. He'll want to play against Vancouver. I don't know if he'll be allowed to play, but I think by Seattle, you see him on the field. Yeah, I think Seattle is there, but I also think if he has a visa, he plays in the Vancouver game. So um, you you don't have very, you have 11 games left. <laughs> There's not a lot of time to get him actually like ready. But he also needs, he needs the visa and he needs the transfers. Uh, the ITC is easy to get. The ITC probably has already been produced. It's like by a computer and FIFA and they type in things and it prints, it probably sends it to a fax machine. And you're like, here's your ITC. I'm guaranteed that's already done. It's just the visa. And a lot of times what people can do is they come over on a tourist visa and then they're able to convert that. Greg has talked about that. So that's what I'm wondering whether or not Puig, uh, Pooch. His name's not Puig. It's Pooch. Whether Pooch is in on a tourist visa and they're going to have to convert that. So technically he can't even train with the team, even though he will and nobody will say anything about it. But he will be, I would imagine he's there, he's training. And then we'll get to talk to Greg sometime this week to find out whether or not. Well, and and you know, sometimes this thing is so complicated. You have to go to an embassy and apply and wait. And sometimes they actually send these guys out of the country. Uh, I remember there was one player under Guillermo that actually went to Vancouver and kind of cooled his heels for a couple of days to have a 
appointment at the embassy there to get his paperwork done. So uh, I guess that's what we're watching for. We'll have a show on Thursday. Hopefully we'll have some more information on that. Again, game on Saturday, 7, 7, 8 p.m. is your kickoff time. All right. Anything else, Mr. Baxter? Can we please, no. please, please go? We're going. Say, say goodnight to Megan Rapino. Uh, Good night, Megan. Where's her, where's her medal? Hi. Where's her, her, her medal of honor? Oh, this is this is pre-presidential. She presidential go? Medal of Freedom yeah, honor? Is, I can't remember what it's called. This is yeah, this is pre the presidential. Okay, that's good. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, at uh, KBaxter11, head on over to LATimes.com. His newsletter's coming out. I'm sure you're going to want to subscribe to that. Do that on LATimes.com as well. You can find that uh, from him. Uh, you can find that whenever he uh, publishes that on his Twitter, and then you can go there and you can subscribe and do all those fun things. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find us. All right, I think we're done. Uh, LA Galaxy, Vancouver, that's the next one. Can't lose game. We'll keep your eye on that. All right, show on Thursday. Hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your week. We'll catch you on Thursday. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patogesman, and we hope you've enjoyed our little Corner of the Galaxy. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.